This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, so today is a day that we are remembering and marking out some of our graduates. So I thought, what better way to study the book of Jeremiah uh, than to talk about that verse that probably every graduate has heard at some point in their life. Anyone know it? 2911. So here we go. So we're looking at Jeremiah, and I want to start here uh, and just kind of unpack maybe uh, and kind of see it. So this is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is written on so many graduation cards. I mean, a lot of them. People are like, all right, great, here we go. We'll write Jeremiah 29, 11. God's got your back. Life's going to be great. You have nothing to worry about. How many of you read Jeremiah this week? I mean, you have to read all of it, but you read it. Did you get the sense that everything's going to be all right when you read Jeremiah? Okay. This is what I kind of want to unpack. So if you read Jeremiah, you get kind of a different take than Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm not saying Jeremiah 29, 11 does not say that it will give you a future and a hope. But what I want us to do is to consider if life doesn't look like Jeremiah 29, 11, here's the question. Did Jeremiah fail me? Or even worse, did God fail me? Because if this verse gets written on your graduation card and then you don't experience the, the future and the hope and the welfare and the, and the great and the, and the no evil, you might say, well, I don't need church or churchy people because my life doesn't look the way they said. And if it doesn't look the way they said, then I don't want their God. And if I don't want their God, I don't want their time. And they're not going to get any energy out of me. And if you think I'm being extreme, I would just have you take a little pause and just consider that. Consider if what people in church tell you isn't what you're experiencing at times, you might kind of say, I'm not sure if I really want the God that they're talking about, because that God doesn't seem to connect with the life I'm living. But Jeremiah 29, 11 is used that way many, many times. So we need to go back and kind of ask ourselves uh, some other questions. Remember last week when we looked at Isaiah, we said there's a few things you have to do with a prophet. The first, when you look to a prophet, is you have to do what? First thing you need to do when you look at any prophet. Anyone remember? We had a couple steps we were looking through. So I'll take you through this a couple weeks so we can kind of remember it. First thing you need to do when you read a prophet is understand what? The time of the prophet. Right. You need to actually know that the prophet's speaking in a unique time. Not that the prophet can't speak to you today, but do realize the prophet spoke in a unique time. So Jeremiah is speaking at a time where the southern kingdom of Judah is about to collapse. He's speaking to a people who are experiencing a whole lot of stuff, bad stuff, like really bad stuff, losing house, losing home, losing career, losing family. Uh, uh, it gets so dark, as we hear in chapter 52, people are eating children. Now, I, this, is a, like, this doesn't even compute for you. Because you have probably never been so hungry that you would consider, if someone is about to die, should I actually consume that person? I mean, do you realize, I mean, this is so distant from your mind, you can't even get your head around it. A famine so severe that when someone in your family dies, should we actually, I mean, do you, do you, I mean it's that dark. You're like, Jeremiah 29, 11 did not paint that picture, Pastor. It was a lot prettier. I really like 
I could see why we just put that one. The other ones for graduation would just be weird. <laughs> You'd say, yeah, that's the card from Uncle Mike. He's weird. He writes the obscure Bible verses in all the cards he writes. So first we want to look back, as we said, to the Old Testament and realize the life and times of that person. The second, consider how the prophet is fulfilling, we talked about this last week, Pentateuchal blessings or curses. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. Moses records them, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So as we look and realize, how is it playing out the blessings and curses? Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. So what Moses had shared, uh, largely, to kind of give you the synopsis of it, if you listen and heed God's word, things are going to go, they're going to go well. If you don't listen to God, anyone know the answer to this? Yeah, not so well. You'll get a curse. Exactly. So there actually are blessings and curses. So the prophets are asking the people, and hopefully this makes sense to you, when I write, you should read back to what was written before and what's amazing, when you read the, the, the curses and the blessings, you realize God, God's just doing exactly what he said. He's not changing. There's no new rules. It's not like God decided, oh, okay, well, now that this is happening, Israel, I'm going to use new rules. No, he had told them exactly what was going to happen. They just didn't want to hear it. You guys ever have that? Someone tell you exactly what's going to happen, you just didn't want to hear it? Yeah, I mean, most of us have had that. I don't want to hear it. And they're like, I have to tell you, I don't want to hear it. You know when they came to repair your washer, your dryer, your refrigerator, your car? You just know that, right? That phone call you get from the mechanic? Mr. Merker. Like, oh, man. That's the tone that tells me there's more coming. You know, they're like, normally it's just, it's all good. Mr. Merker. Man, not, not the introduction that I wanted. So we're going to take a look and unpack this verse. So what I want us to do is go back to the beginning Jeremiah starts writing in about 628, 627 B.C. Judah has not yet fallen. Babylon has not pushed them into exile, and he writes this at the beginning. Now, the word of the Lord came to me. This is the prophet writing. The word of the Lord came to me, this is Jeremiah writing, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Did you catch this? Not just Israel, not to the nations. Jeremiah is actually speaking to everyone and anyone who will, which as you've read Jeremiah, you realize, man, he struggles to get an audience. <laughs> Maybe God's like, we'll let you preach to all the nations because you are going to struggle to find people willing to listen to you. Uh, but he is a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak for I'm only a youth. Now, I hope as you've read through the Bible with us this year, you start to catch some of these neat themes. This is the same thing that Solomon actually said when he was first appointed king. He goes, how could I be king? I'm just young. I'm just a Benjamite. I'm a nobody. God takes nobodies and makes them into somebodies. This is the God we serve. He takes people who don't think they're the guy and makes them into the guy. And indeed, this is Jeremiah as well. God had chosen him and selected him. You've probably had that moment, right, where someone's like, hey, I, I need you to do this project, and I need it done by Thursday. And you're like, it's 2 o'clock on Wednesday. And they go, I know. You're the guy. You got this. No, 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 you're confused. You want someone else. You must want the person around the corner. They're, they're the one you want. Well, that's not what God says to Jeremiah at all. We continue, still chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. 
For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. See, there's lots of things in life where we just kind of wonder if we're the, the right person. Don't be afraid of what God's actually prepping you to do. It was very exciting when I left the seminary, and they're like, oh, okay, what are you going to do? And they're like, oh, you're going to help plant a church. That's wonderful, until you realize what actually that means. How much experience did I have in planting churches? Anyone know the answer to this? I mean, not zero. You guys really have, like, no confidence whatsoever. You're like, we see you every week, so we figured you had zero. I mean, woo. No, I had not planted other churches. I, I, I had worked with the church, and, well, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that with you there. What about other places in your life? Those places where you just kind of wonder, am I the person for this task? What about parents? Remember all the courses you took before you had your first child? Like, before your first one. Like, you went to the hospital, and they went through all this stuff about, like, here's how the birth is going to happen and the process. You go through all this, and, like, just so we're all clear, that was just for labor. Um, some of the ladies are like, yeah, that, like you didn't do anything, buddy. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Ask my wife. Probably not the most supportive. She can tell that to you at another time. Um, and then you take that child out, and there are real sticklers here in Wake County about car seats, if you don't know this. I mean, like, super sticklers about that car seat's got to be in there right. And then they close the door. You are on your own. No other courses, no follow-up work whatsoever, nothing else. I'm like, so no, no additional. Nope, you're good. Like, so really, really a lot of detail about the car seat and others uh, and getting those three days at the hospital when all the meals were actually made and prepared. Like, lots of details about those days. But now, congratulations, you're a parent. Raise a child. Uh, the other one that uh, kind of at least for me is a joke, like, you ask someone, are they a hurdler? Well, it's a funny thing when I consider my, my own life of hurdling. Uh, you become a hurdler when? Anyone know this? When you clear your first hurdle. Like, that's really it. Like, you a hurdler? Well, I cleared one. Congratulations. Welcome. Uh, so you got Jeremiah, same thing. Like, when does he become a prophet? He's worried. Can he do this? Is he the guy? So Jeremiah sent to the people, and his message is judgment and punishment. This is not fun stuff. He's writing them to correct them. So here we go, chapter 15. So I'm jumping you ahead to realize God says, you're the guy. Don't be scared to talk. Go talk to them. And we're still doing all this digging, just so you're clear. I'm getting back to Jeremiah 29, 11. Don't worry. It's still out there. Oh, Lord, you know. Remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. See, Jeremiah is preaching as an unwelcomed guest, and he's just being rebuked again and again. Don't want to hear it, Jeremiah. Not interested. Judah's not interested. The other nations aren't interested, and he just continues to do it, and he starts asking the Lord, are you sure this is the right message? Could it be something else? In Jeremiah 15, the Lord writes and says, hey, this is right. And then you got Jeremiah talking about taking God's word and doing what? It's an interesting word, like eating them. 
uh, some of you have been in uh, specific a Lutheran tradition for a long time are probably familiar with the idea of taking God's word that you would learn and inwardly digest it. And no, I'm not suggesting eat the paper. But it is indeed this idea of what? You actually have to take it in you. Like you got to let the word kind of percolate a little bit. We don't percolate anymore, right? Because now we have Keurig, so everything happens very fast. But if you grew up in a time where like, you had to percolate coffee, it took some time. I mean, it took a little bit. We, everything now today has to be what? Instantaneous. Some things in life, it's worth just kind of letting it simmer a little. Jeremiah is doing some simmering. Well, it continues then in that same chapter, Jeremiah 15, 17 to 19. See, when all the people turn from Jeremiah who is talking about an unchanging, constant God, they got questions. Listen to how Jeremiah continues later in that prophet when he, when he talks about the fact, I'm not going to say what I need to just to get friends. I'm going to say what I have to. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me. Sounds like a real party animal, right? Anybody see Jeremiah? Yeah, he's off by himself. But he also understood he didn't need to get involved in a party that was only going to cause him problems. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me, and you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you. And you shall stand before me if you utter what is precious and not what is worthless. You shall be as my mouth. God says to Jeremiah, you just got to say what I've given you to say. And don't stop. Say what needs to be said. The people aren't interested in hearing it. That's okay. Keep saying it. Remember the teacher who again and again, there was I mean, someone in your life, there was the teacher who just kept saying the same thing and again and again. And somewhere around the end of the school year, you said what? They were right. You're like, wow, yeah, it turns out. I, I get it. In math, it's the joy of do I have to show my work? Do you ever ask that? Do I need to show my work? Well, if you don't, I'm going to assume you used your calculator or phone. So, yes, if you'd show me some semblance of how you got there, or you just said, what answer did you get? And then you jot it down. Because teachers actually, and this is really foreign to some students, teachers actually want us to what? Do you guys know this? Yeah, they actually want us to learn. And sometimes learning is, takes time. Jeremiah is writing to the people, he wants them to learn. And he says, hey, I'm not going to go chase after the short, quick win. I want to make sure that I'm there. Now, does Jeremiah understand all this? He doesn't. So there's an interesting image that happens in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 18 uh, Jeremiah's got lots of questions, and he kind of wonders, and God says, you know, I think for you to understand what's happening, Jeremiah, I'm going to send you to a potter. So he tells Jeremiah, I, I want you to go to a potter and just kind of watch. I want you to observe this potter and just kind of see how it works. So this is uh, chapter 18. So I went down to the potter's house. The Lord had told him, go, go down and kind of see it. I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. Now, for most of you, unfortunately, the only way that you know about a potter's hand is the movie Ghost. I read this through some of you that's really far away, but it's the last time most of us actually had, like, the picture of the pot of clay in the hands and then the, that work, like, kind of folding in on itself. 
Um, if you didn't see ghosts, don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. Your, your life will move on. If you did, some of you are laughing going, oh, now I see the potter. Yeah, okay. For, forget the whole, like, man-woman kind of scene there. It's just, you know, but the potter's hand, and you get the whole, the pot folds in on itself. So this is what happens with the potter. The vessel he was making of clay spoiled in the hand, and he reworked it into another vessel. And as it seemed good to the potter to do, then the word of the Lord came to me. So remember, Jeremiah is there, sees all this, and the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah right after, and he says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. Israel thought that they were the only piece of clay the entire world had ever seen. And that they were the chosen people and nothing could ever, ever befall them. And Jeremiah goes and sees that potter and realizes, you know what? God's the guy making the pot to begin with. And when the pot has an issue, he wants to make something else, he will. Why? Because he's the potter. He can do that. When's the last time that you guys worked with clay and the, and the clay looked up at you and said, make me into something? Clay doesn't talk. It doesn't do that. When's the last time you looked up to God and said, God, I want you to do this? Now, God asks you to pray. Please, I'm not saying God doesn't ask you to pray. I'm just sharing with you. Remember, you're the clay. You're not the potter. God had laid out what was supposed to happen to Israel. But Israel and Judah and the nations weren't interested in what God was saying. They were interested in what they were saying to God. And they wanted it to only be the way that they had intended it to be. So Jeremiah understands God's got the ability to say what's necessary. Now, I left you with Jeremiah 29, 11. This graduation verse of everything's going to be great in your life and you'll never experience problems. How many of you graduated and that was your life, right? Not a problem in your life. Okay, one or two of you sat on your hands when I asked that, which is really all. You're like, no hand, do not go up. I mean, the point is, that's just not what we experience. So I want you and you hearing Jeremiah 29 is to realize what God's actually saying. He's not lying. So what's God actually doing? So we're going to get some context. Because we need to know the context of what's happening. Jeremiah 29, verse 7 to 9. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. So this is that period. Jeremiah speaks to the people not just when they go into exile, but also when they're there. Uh, we did a study last year that went on this. It was done in a small group as well, talking about seeking the welfare of where we go when we're in exile. Care for those around you. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you in exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. Do not send them. I did not send them, declares the Lord. The Lord says, look, you got lots of people who are going to give you lots of false answers. But when you go and you're sent into exile and life looks, exile is what? Good news or bad news? It's bad news. But in the midst of exile, in the midst of life having a problem, I'm going to take care of you. I'm still going to be there for you. So the people of Judah are actually being punished. See, Jeremiah 29 is actually about punishment. You're like, really? And they wrote that in my graduation card? No, they just wrote you one verse. I'm not opposed to the verse. I just want you to understand what God's actually doing in that verse. 
He's writing to a people who have been punished, sent off for 70 years in exile. You're like, I'm really not liking this graduation card now. So for 70 years they're punished by Babylon, but the word of the Lord's going to get there and set for them. So then we pick up now verse 10 to 13. Thus says the Lord, when the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Do you see? All you have to do is read verse 10. And now you get the setting for what verse 11 is all about. It's about 70 years of waiting. Anybody want to wait 70 years for anything right now? Yeah, there's a few of you will be like, okay, I will get you that new house and new car. All you have to do is just wait 70 years. Yeah, you're all smiling now going, not interested. Take a hard pass on that one. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Who's the you? God's people, the people who are in exile, the people who felt lost. Jeremiah is writing to a people who are in captivity, in exile, and he says, I'm going to get you out. That's who he's writing to. So what I want you to realize is if you've ever had that verse written, like I'm all for it. And I hope it's even more powerful for you today. When someone goes, I know the plans I have for you, God took care of people who were in exile for 70 years and brought them out. If he can do that, he's got your back too. He does. But don't read the verse to think that somehow there's not going to be calamity or strife in your life. That was never what Jeremiah intended 29.11 to be about. We continue, we'll read it through. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Because 70 years of exile feels what? It feels evil. And it feels like there's no hope. It's exactly what it would have felt like. Anyone ever like, not have a job for like six months or a year? Anyone not have a job for 70 years? That's rough. I mean, just this time period. 70 years is hard to get your head around. Some of you are like, well, I got 70 years. But you're right. I don't like getting my head around that. It's not a number that I, I, I like. I've had others look at me now and they say, Pastor, you will always say my full age. I have earned every single year. Like, I didn't like them all, but I earned them all, so I'm not going to shortchange any of them. I'm like, that's fine. Well, the text continues, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Now, see, it gets even sweeter. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah is writing to the people and says, It's about me caring for you in the midst of the storm. See, the plans Jeremiah actually has to the people spoken through the decades are pain and loss. He's writing to a people who are struggling. Jeremiah very much speaks to 2019 because we've experienced pain and loss in our life. You've experienced the struggle of exile. Maybe not in Babylon. Exile used to be called Cary, North Carolina, and then everybody else moved here. I mean, you laugh at me. Some of you who grew up here, yeah, like right where we are now, People are like, Pastor, if you'd been here 15 years before, there was nothing here. Nothing. That seems completely foreign to Apex now. Like to say that you were going to move to North Carolina, people are like, really? Exile's a funny thing, isn't it? It's only what you allow it to be. God's there in the midst of where we are. The immediate fulfillment of Isaiah comes true when Cyrus in 538 says you can go back. And they do. 
The people are able to leave from Babylon and go back to Jerusalem. He delivers them. But it took years. So if you're in this journey right now feeling like you're in exile, maybe God's going to deliver today. Maybe it's tomorrow. But I can assure you of this. God writes to you and says, I do have plans for you. He has plans for his people that he will care for them. Plans that remind us at this very day that we will receive his body and his blood. To the people who say, where is God? God says, I am here in the midst of you. That you might have my body and blood. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online. And look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.